Welcome to the RSP Cast. I'm Matt Waldman with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. This short episode is the RSP's NFL Scouting Tip of the Week. This is something that I'm going to be doing probably every other week. Often we'll include video with it at my site, www.mattwaldmanrsp.com, and often featured on my YouTube channel, Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room. I recommend you to go over to either of those sites and subscribe, and you'll get that information available to your email, at least links showing you that I've published new work so that you can stay up to date with it as you wish. Um, This week, we're going to focus on Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald was the king of tracking directly overhead. And that's the definition that I'm going to go over for my criteria of scouting today for wide receivers and tight ends, tracking directly over the head. And I'm going to use a pair of masterful perceptions from Larry Fitzgerald's college tape that you can find on my site if you're listening to this on podcast form or at my YouTube to illustrate the value of receivers who can track the ball directly over the head. But it's important to know that not all receivers are good ball trackers. You know, while this post features Larry Fitzgerald, it begins with a player who's currently finishing up his career in the CFL. And whenever I think about tracking the football, I think about this one-time NFL prospect with an early-round contract. For NFL fans right now, this receiver is a recent punchline. It's not meant to be. This player was good enough to get paid to play football. He's still good enough to get paid to play football, which is a far shot better than what most people who've ever donned a helmet and pads were able to do. It's vital to have this perspective about evaluating football talent because fans and media are way too quick to react to the extremes with information. Media corporations, after all, generate a shit ton of revenue by fostering environments that encourage reactionary thinking. Best or worst thinking is probably a plague of our present society, but it is profitable. Now, this receiver I was talking about, was an elite NFL athlete with promising production at a good SEC program. It led to a healthy amount of pre-draft buzz for him, and it reached its peak during this his week at the Senior Bowl a number of years ago. While watching this player on the practice field, I got a text from a veteran scout and analytics professional with a lot of consulting projects for most of the NFL GMs in the league. When we talk about analytics, oftentimes we see big sites that sell their analytics packages to quality assurance, you know, quality control specialists on the team, guys who are entry-level or lower-level coaches on the tree. This guy I'm talking about had direct contracts, hired directly by GMs, working directly with GMs or heads of scouting to do his work. So this wasn't just some sort of package that was being sold. This was high-end contract stuff. And this guy sent me a text while I was watching this player, ironically. And he said, if the South squad spent five minutes with the drill where a receiver's back is to the thrower and the ball arrives directly over the receiver's head, the coaches would learn fast that X has difficulty tracking the ball. So when I got back to my office, I pulled clips of as many vertical targets I could find from this player's games. And while there were plenty of targets where he tracked the ball over his shoulder, enough for at least some highlight packages on YouTube that would make you think that he's, you know, really good in contested situations. 
If you went deeper, this receiver was often facing the quarterback when he caught vertical targets, and his wins over the shoulder had some technical flaws. Tracking difficulties turned out to be a notable issue with this receiver in the NFL. So the bigger question is why a player or, or players at this, these positions earn early round picks and significant playing time only to wash out because of a flaw that, is, as a scout mentioned to me, would take five minutes to uncover during a practice, even an all-star practice. It comes back to the law of, of supply and demand, really. The college programs, top programs, draw elite athletes with promising receiving skills. Most college programs have to make a choice. They either recruit the strong athlete and hope he becomes a technically good receiver, or they recruit a strong technician and hope that he becomes a better athlete. And sometimes players from both categories develop to these hopes to the extent that they can become successful professionals. However, more often than not, especially with the small amount of practice time that college coaches have due to NCAA regulations and these players being young and still learning how to learn and learn how to develop and train themselves, well, more often than not, the NFL is evaluating prospects who became an elite athlete and then gained marginally better technique or they became elite technicians because they were already good when they entered the league as tech or entered college football as technicians and only gained marginally better athletic ability. Now, there are also physical skills that don't always earn the focus they should. Tracking the football is one of the common ones. It's assumed that if you play wide receiver, you're inherently a good ball tracker. But as the demands of the game increase with the level of play, the required skills for tracking the football become far more demanding. Because there's layers to tracking the football. The simplest definition for tracking the ball is simply the act of the ball in the air and looking it into your hands. This is enough for teaching a kid how to play catch. There's also a lot more involved with wide receiver play than just look for, find the ball and follow it into your hand. I mean, that's the simple way of looking at it. But there's a lot more, such as identifying the trajectory of the ball. Simply finding the ball in the air can be more difficult for some routes than others. Is your back to the ball? Are you running away from the ball? Are you running towards a defender with the ball? Are you running across the field? Are you snapping your body back to the quarterback with a ball arriving at a high um, velocity? And the trajectory of the ball, I mean, is it lofted into the air? Is it a bullet? Is it low? Is it into your body? Is it high? Is it behind your break point? These are all things you have to identify and, 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 and track. And that's part of gauging the trajectory of the target and then reacting to that trajectory with optimal hands positions to attack it. Because again, if you attack targets that are arriving over your head, but you're jumping to catch the ball so that you can use underhand technique. Well, there are going to be some situations where the coverage is positioned against you, where you're basically giving the defender the advantage to be able to attack the ball and you're not going to be able to pull the ball away quickly enough, or you're creating a catch environment that is very difficult for you to succeed with, given the scenarios that, that are occurring around that catch environment. So it can reduce the odds of winning or protecting the target from the defender when you don't use the right hands position. You know, gauging the trajectory of the target and position the body to maximize the catch opportunity. Well, you know, 
There are times that receivers leave their feet to attack targets that don't require them to leave their feet. And this is often a symptom of a player not properly gauging the target's trajectory, and it gives coverage time and space the opportunity to defend the target. You know, I mean, if you have, if you are running a crossing route or an over route into an empty area of the defense or an area where you have a, a def it's empty and the trailing defender is one or two steps away and you could have caught the ball without leaving your feet by extending your hands and arms over your head, catching the ball away from your body and maintaining the gait that you had with your break. Odds are likely that when you secure that ball, you're going to be maintaining the same speed you are at your break, maybe even be able to accelerate and maintain that distance from the trailing defender into the open field and have a huge gain, maybe score. On the other hand, there are a lot of receivers that have that opportunity in front of them and they end up leaving their feet. And when you leave your feet, you slow down because now you're in the air. You're not maintaining a pace. You slow down, it gives the defender who's trailing you or a defender over top or with an, who didn't have an angle, suddenly you're giving them an angle of pursuit that's viable and they're going to be able to recover and hit you while your feet are coming to the ground or while you're trying to reaccelerate from a massively slower state. You've abruptly changed that acceleration phase of the break to slowing down and now you've limited your yardage potential. And oftentimes these routes are designed to maximize yardage potential. The West Coast offense was built on these types of routes that are quick hitting to avoid pressure so that you catch the ball and earn yardage, that you were seen as an extension of the running game. John Taylor, Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp. These were players who could earn massive yards after the catch because of their ability to track the ball. In, in this fashion and maximize yardage by transitioning fast downhill based on the slant or the over or the crossing route. So that's a very important part of it. Even with stop routes, you know, even with routes where you just make a turn back to the quarterback, if you can catch the ball at its earliest point and catch it with your feet on the ground, you have a better chance of being able to transition downfield with a turn that forces the defender who is trailing you and recovering from overrunning the route you might be able to make them miss. I just watched Jackson um, Smith and Jigba do that um, on some tape from last week. So that's important. Um, you know, also tracking the ball over the shoulder directly overhead to sustain separation from coverage is very important. You know, if you have to stop and turn to the ball, maybe you're opening up your body to the defender when you didn't need to. Um, it forces you to stop. So, Maybe, at, you know, if you're able to catch the ball with your back to the ball, ball, you don't have to leap for it. You can continue on your path. Better chance that when you catch it, the defender's not going to be able to tackle you or even make contact with you. And it also forces the coverage to play through your body to attack the ball. So you're protecting the ball more. You increase your chances of being able to um, have a reasonable shot of catching the ball. And if you don't, because the defender makes contact, you may also draw interference penalty because it now looks like the defender had to play through you. So there's a lot of benefits to being able to track the ball correctly. And these are layers of tracking the ball that just go beyond look the ball into your hands. You know, that's the simplest form of that. 
But I think, you know, I'll be talking more about different layers of ball tracking in the future. The most difficult to these, though, is tracking the ball directly over the head. And that's the subject of this post with Larry Fitzgerald that you'll find at my site, www.mattwaldmanrsp.com. Can't recommend enough if you want to look for a glossary of definitions. I'll be building these over the next couple of years so that you can just look it up as a resource. Um, And, of course, you can get these definitions and i'll be updating more of them over time too in the rsp pre-draft post-draft guide which is one of the most comprehensive evaluations of skill position players available to the media it is one of the most purchased cross-checking guides used by scouts who visit college teams on a regular basis you know smu's recruiting director alex brown as i often mention talks about how that RSP is one of the two most purchased draft guides by independent publishers that he sees in the hands of NFL decision makers who come and visit with him weekly. And the great thing about the RSP is I focus on four positions, and those four positions have a fantasy bent to them. And I've been a fantasy writer since 2003, really even before that. Um, But I started doing it consistently pretty much weekly in 2003, So I understand what fantasy GMs want and look for, and I try and provide that to them without sacrificing the integrity of really trying to teach football and understand the techniques, concepts, um, and, and really theories that go behind evaluating talent. So again, um, one of the things that are really indicative about, you know, winning targets throughout your pro career Well, Larry Fitzgerald did it repeatedly during his college career, which was tracking the ball directly over the head. And while it's not a 100% telltale indicator that a receiving prospect can track the ball over their shoulder if they can do it over their head, a receiver who can track the ball at full sprint directly over their head is often a top ball tracker in a variety of target scenarios because the hand-eye coordination to maintain eye contact with the ball with a less comfortable position for the head because you're looking craning your head straight up while adjusting your speed to the fight of the ball, that's a difficult thing to do. It's a hand-eye-feet coordination tactic. And few receivers do this well. And you may only see a handful of plays where a receiver makes this type of catch all year. But Fitzgerald did it repeatedly through his career. And it was indicative of his skill for winning targets throughout his pro career. And, you know, what I show are two plays. There's one with him against Texas A&M where you see him catching a bomb where he works between two defenders. He literally splits the coverage, and you can watch him track this ball overhead, slowing down just enough at the end so that the ball arrives over his helmet, but the defenders are still having to slow down too because they can't run into him, and they have to maintain their distance. So you see the ability there to understand that his positioning is vital for a play like that. And that when you're splitting coverage, especially with a deep safety over the top, tracking the ball over the head really comes into play, especially post routes, seam routes, um, very important. And then there's another play where you even watch him on a fade where he's tracking the ball over one shoulder to the inside um, as it begins, but the the quarterback decides based on the coverage to lead him towards the boundary. And Fitzgerald begins to break towards the boundary and then make that catch directly over the head because it doesn't completely arrive to the opposite shoulder. 
But even if it arrived to the opposite shoulder, the fact that he's able to, to adjust by looking from the inside shoulder over his head to the outside shoulder, that kind of tracking is difficult too. While you have a defender on your, your inside hip and you're running at full speed with your back to the quarterback, just finding the ball, maintaining the maintaining your eye contact to the ball with the lights and the crowd and this, you know, the coverage next to you. That's a lot to look at. And the fact that he's able to do that as well as he did, it's why he had a hall of fame career. So yeah, tracking the football, we'll be talking more about this with other definitions of some of the things that I mentioned with, you know, leaving your feet unnecessarily, you know, um, you know, knowing based on how to use hand position for each type of ball, you know, we cover some of that too, but really the point of this is that if you can track the ball directly overhead and you see a receiver do that, odds are likely that you're going to be able to do the other things well with ball tracking that are important and can make you a consistent force when you get into the higher levels of receiving that the NFL demands. Thanks again for listening. For more RSP information, videos, you know, commentary, podcasts, you can subscribe to my podcast. You probably are if you're listening to this and got to the end. So thank you very much. But you can find it on most of the podcast outlets, Matt Waldman's RSP cast. You can find my channel on YouTube, Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room. And of course, my site, www.mattwaldmanrsp.com, where you can get the RSP pre-draft, post-draft. I'm always available April 1st and the RSP projections, which are still available for the, if you want to get monthly updates for your fantasy team, you can learn more about them at my site. Thanks again.